Join me for a hymn sing at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th, at Concordia University, Chicago. This year's theme, Things Above. Learn more and register at issuesetc.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. I suppose we might paraphrase Jesus' words here with, Seriously, Judas? With a kiss? Come on, man. But that is how the Lord was betrayed, with a kiss from his erstwhile disciple and apostle. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the Gospel of St. Luke. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Last time we journeyed with Jesus into Gethsemane, though St. Luke does not name the exact location. We learn only that it's somewhere on the Mount of Olives. He had the habit of going there for prayer, apparently at day's end. That reminded us of the godly habit of setting aside specific times and places for prayer as a sort of trellis so that the habit of prayer might spread from those times to include our whole lives. As Jesus came to the place, he exhorted the disciples to pray that they might not enter into temptation. Then going about a stone's throw further, he knelt down and he began to pray. His prayer asked that if it were the Father's will, he would remove this cup from Jesus. This cup, recall, was the biblical way of speaking of the cup of divine wrath over human sin. As I said, we're scared of hell, but not nearly as scared as we ought to be. Jesus looks over the brim of that cup and trembles and begs for some other way, but still submits himself entirely to the will of his Father. An angel then appeared and strengthened Jesus for bearing what had to be borne. And as the weight of human sin descended squarely upon him, it pressed the sweat like blood from his pores. But he comes to a certain peace through his prayer at the last. He will trust his Father's will to be good and gracious. He will walk this terrifying path. And once more, he exhorts the disciples to be roused from their sleep and to pray that they may not enter into temptation, for trouble has just arrived. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter, beginning at the 47th verse. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? 
When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay your hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Luke 22, verses 47 to 53. Let us pray. Merciful and everlasting God, you did not spare your only son, but delivered him up for us all to bear our sins on the cross. Grant that our hearts may be so fixed with steadfast faith in him that we fear not the power of sin, death, and the devil. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So, are you ready to give attention to today's reading? Let's ponder it. Verse 47. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. Jesus who was praying and so not sleeping, was the only one prepared for what was about to take place. Perhaps it was as he saw the crowd approaching with their torches and weapons that he ended his prayer and roused the eleven. And there, near the head of the crowd most likely, since he was leading them, was the familiar face of Judas. And his eyes are darting in the darkness back and forth, looking for the face of his master. At last, he sees him. Verse 47 continued, He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. Verse 48, But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Most of us are not used to kisses being the standard way of greeting anymore, except perhaps between family members. But in that time, it was entirely normal and expected. And it communicated, You! I'm glad to see you. I thank God for you. But naturally, Judas's kiss conveyed none of that. It wasn't so much a genuine greeting to his master as a hidden message to the soldiers, this one. St. Mark records that Judas had instructed the soldiers, the one I kiss is the man, seize him and lead him away under guard, Mark 14, verse 44, which indicates how nervous Judas was about the whole thing. Jesus doesn't let this abusive use of the kiss go without comment. I suppose we might paraphrase Jesus' words here with, Seriously, Judas? With a kiss? Come on, man. But that is how the Lord was betrayed, with a kiss from his erstwhile disciple and apostle. Now, remember, the others had been sleeping. And you know how after you've drifted off, if something or someone startles you awake, you kind of feel disoriented. I think that's the situation here. So that All of this happens before the actual situation begins to dawn on them. I imagine some of them, when they realized what was happening, thought, Judas, you rat! But the others decided that action was called for. Hence, verse 49, And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? They were but twelve, counting the Lord Jesus, we may safely assume the crowd they were facing is much larger. The soldiers wouldn't want to be taking any chances. St. Luke says, They said, We'd surely not be far off if we guessed Peter among that they, and maybe also James and John. And speaking of John, it is John who alone spills the beans on what happens next. Verse 50, And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. One of them, it turns out, was St. Peter. For we read in John 18, verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having his sword, drew it 
and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. The fisherman probably remembered his boast and was ready to suffer prison and death for his master, but he was no soldier. His aim is off and the damage he inflicts, while horrible for Malchus, is hardly a life-threatening blow. Jesus puts an end to it, though. John records that Jesus tells Peter to sheath his sword. Since Jesus must drink the cup, the Father has reached him. But it is only St. Luke who informs us of this next bit, something so utterly characteristic of Jesus. Verse 51. But Jesus said no more of this, and he touched his ear and healed him. Jesus stops the violence, and then he even heals the man whom his overzealous disciple had injured. Do you remember how Jesus had taught us way back in Luke 6, verse 35, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And don't miss that Peter was still trying to stop Jesus from heading to his appointment with suffering and death, much as we saw him doing when he rebuked Jesus for speaking of suffering and dying in Matthew 16, verse 22. But Jesus will not allow it now, even as Jesus rebuked Peter so harshly back then, calling him Satan and a hindrance to himself with Peter's mind focused on the things of men and not the things of God. For Jesus, his father had set the cup before him, and he intends to drink it all the way down, even to the bitterest dregs. And in the meantime, his kindness and mercy extend even to those who have arrived to arrest him and see him done to death. His love can't be deterred by that. He heals poor Malchus's ear. I wonder if the healed man did indeed sort of stand there in amazement and wonder afterwards, wondering what he had done to deserve such a kindness from Jesus. I think that's how Mel Gibson depicts it in the movie The Passion of the Christ, and I suspect it's right on. Verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? Verse 53. When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. Just as Jesus had challenged Judas for his kiss of betrayal, he now challenges this crowd that has gathered around him as though he were some common criminal, some ruffian that they had needed to secure. He was day after day in Holy Week sitting right there in the temple among these very men, and no one had laid a hand on him. Well, they wanted to, of course, but remember, they were terrified that the crowds would rise up if they found out Jesus had been arrested. Jesus says, verse 53, continuing, But this is your hour and the power of darkness. In John's gospel, Jesus had observed, John 3, verse 19 and following, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may clearly be seen that his works have been carried out in God. Men love darkness because it covers over the wicked deeds they're engaging in. It prevents exposure. 
and this darkness is both real and metaphorical. Just consider how pornography has flourished in our own days when people thought of it as something essentially private and unseen by others. And we know that's a dangerous illusion, not true at all. But these same folks would not dream of darkening the door of a porn shop in their own town that sold the nasty stuff, lest someone see them and recognize them and challenge or gossip about what they're up to. It's all darkness, and it all has one origin, as St. Cyril of Alexandria also noted in the 5th century. Darkness is the name of Satan, for he is total night and darkness. So in the passion of our Lord, Satan has the upper hand at the moment, and the leaders are acting under cover of darkness to carry out Satan's will. For as Jesus said, he's a murderer from the get-go. Here you see exactly what the devil had always wanted to do if he could get his hands on God. That's no longer something you have to be in the dark about. The events of this night make it as plain as daylight. Right there's where we're going to call our stop for today. Next up, the sad words of Jesus about Peter's denial will come to their fulfillment. Challenged time and again, and even once by a relative of Malchus, Peter will flat out deny that he knows Jesus at all. And then that rooster will crow and Jesus will look at Peter and he'll flee and spill the bitterest tears of his life in shame. Till next time, people loved by God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.